Spin San Old School, helping you navigate back to college in 2021. You are very welcome back to Spin San Old School with me, Louise Cantillon. Spin San Old School is proudly sponsored by Pathway, an interactive online career guidance tool at mypathwayjourney.com. On this week's episode, we aim to talk all things sexual health. Joining us to give us an insight into sexual health for college students is Moira O'Farrell. Moira is a youth health promotion officer with the Sexual Health Centre and uh, she's going to shed some light on that big topic that is sexual health and maybe a topic that we sometimes cringe a little bit at the thought of, feel a little bit embarrassed about discussing, but need more than anything to normalise the dialogue right now and that's what we're going to do on this morning's podcast and on this morning's show. Moira, thank you so much for joining us on Spins and Old School. Thank you so much for having me, Louise. Delighted to be here this morning. It's brilliant to have you. Listen, I know that uh, you've got many titles other than Youth Health Promotion Officer and we're going to get to them shortly. But before we do that, Moira, you might just give us a little bit of a lowdown and tell us what exactly is our sexual health? So I suppose the official definition by the HSE is that sexual health is an overall part of our health. It technically means the absence of disease of infections, but it also covers well-being or ability to control our fertility, to have children and to enjoy fulfilling relationships free from discrimination. So it's a really, really broad topic. And I think that can be quite a mouthful and an official thing. But when I do my sexual health workshops or talk about sexual health with people, I would talk to them about everything from healthy relationships to communicating with your partner, to consent, to intimate images, to online kind of the social media world that we live in and how our sexual health can be virtual at times and how we manage that. Contraception, STIs, pregnancy, and anything in between really. So like it's a very broad area and things can often overlap or, you know, connect into that. So it's really important, I think, that we talk about it because it affects so many different aspects of our lives. What a description. I think you have just explained that so, so well, Moira. And absolutely, I mean, sexual health is a massive topic and something maybe that a lot of us shy away from discussing. And oftentimes, I think we can become overwhelmed by some of the medical lingo that surrounds a lot of the basics when it comes to sexual health. The terminology we can find overwhelming. We might find ourselves shying away from some terms and phrases and words even that we find embarrassing. And I think in turn that can make sexual health a topic that we often struggle to speak about or sometimes put on the back burner and don't speak about at all. I think you're so right. And there has been research that was done, um, I think in 2019 around that, like some of the barriers to accessing sexual health and exactly what you've said were the main things that came up. So they said like the the amount of information online, which is where most of us go now to find out something is so vast. And then when you do come across the official sources like that HSE definition or the HSE websites, often people can find them quite intimidating because they're very text heavy. And then the language is very official and proper. And sometimes we just need that kind of casual interactions and the kind of slang that we use for things and somebody to really break it down on our level and be like, okay, so what is that? And how do I manage it? And oh, actually everyone else experiences this too. I don't feel ashamed. I don't feel embarrassed. This is totally normal. And therefore we can talk about it in a way that everybody understands. And there isn't any gap in information for people based on their literacy levels or their ability to access information like that. 
I'm glad that there's progression coming among maybe the younger generation and even you see like programs on Netflix like Sex Education which I think is unbelievable because again it's normalising the discussion and it's bringing up topics that maybe you know there is a stigma around and that we look at as dirty topics you know and I think that we really need to get rid of that kind of mentality because there's nothing dirty at all about sex. Nothing. And I'm a huge fan of sex education. So I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's fantastic. And it does. It just puts all of the issues in sexual health into, I think, one show with characters all experiencing what everybody has kind of gone through. And those same issues carry into your your university years and onwards into your late 20s and 30s. You know, like we are sexual beings. We're, you know, always establishing new relationships discovering new types of sexual activities or pleasure and whether they are something we like or dislike. So it's really important that we see other people on those journeys, especially in mainstream media. And therefore we recognize that we're not alone in that and that this is a normal part of sexual health. It's trying something and figuring out, is that something I like? Is it not? And again, communicating that with somebody so that you understand your boundaries and you know your limitations around that and that you're comfortable with it. Yeah, really well said. And I think you're right. It is it is that discussion we need to kind of normalise day in, day out. And uh, thankfully, we are moving in that direction. So let's bring it back to maybe college students and college life, because I know for many young people and many fresher students moving to university is their first kind of official taste of independent living. And, you know, that can go one of two ways. I think that a time like that maybe is one of the most important times in a young person's life to be knowledgeable about something like their sexual health. And it is. It's I think for a lot of people, it's the first time that you have that freedom to really explore your sexuality and yourself and be open to have relationships and a lot of people might be living at home but they have that extra sense of freedom so either they have a house to themselves now that they get to manage and explore their sexual health or you know parents or guardians kind of step back a little bit because you're at that age where you can be out late and have relationships and have people in your lives for as short or as, as long a time as you want so I think it's really important that with that independence people do feel free to explore their sexual health, explore pleasure, but to do so, I think the important factor is that unfortunately, sexual health is a wonderful thing, but there are aspects to it that are important that we are just knowledgeable about so we can protect ourselves. So STIs, the risk of pregnancy for some people, unfortunately go hand in hand with being sexually active and being, you know, exploring your sexuality. So there are things that people need just knowledge about, awareness about, so what are they? How can I maybe contract these? How can I potentially protect myself from these so that they aren't a risk I'm exposed to? And if it does come up, where can I go and how am I supported around it? So I think in universities, especially, you know, go out and meet people and, you know, being sexually active is normal and it's important we do it. But it's just knowing that there are services potentially on campus or organizations like ourselves in the Sexual Health Centre that if you don't feel you are fully informed about STIs and how they're transmitted or maybe what symptoms to look for, that you are aware there is somebody there to give you the accurate information around that. And also the next step, perhaps, that if you do actually contract something, where to go and how is it treated or managed and what that means. And therefore, if you take a risk, you have that backup and security of, well, actually, maybe I did make a decision and not use a condom, but I do know now where I can go to be supported around that. Or if you have the information and the knowledge of why condoms are important, you might never have that risk to begin with because you're open to discussing that with a partner and using contraception. So I think going to college opens a lot of doors and a lot of freedom, 
But with freedom, unfortunately, I suppose in a, a bit of a, I think it's Spider-Man quote, comes responsibility too. And with sexual health, we just need to keep that in mind. It's really enjoyable. It's a really important part of your life and discovering yourself. But just be aware that there are some aspects of it that unfortunately are present that we can't ignore and can have consequences. Yeah, I think you're so right and you've put that so well because I do believe knowledge is power and I think that goes for any aspect of your health, be it sexual or mental, whatever it is, we all should make ourselves knowledgeable about our bodies and our health. And I think for the student who finds themselves having gone through secondary school and maybe in a position that they haven't received any solid information when it comes to sexual health, it hasn't been something maybe that they paid attention to or found themselves in a position to take on board when they were in secondary school. They're now embarking on their college life and maybe feel a little bit in the dark when it comes to the knowledge they have around sexual health. And maybe they find themselves relying on sources like the internet, Dr. Google, which can be so misleading at the best of time, social media. The danger of misinformation on platforms like that really can do more damage than good when it comes to informing a student about their sexual health. Absolutely. So there are a whole range of services. And again, I suppose this is the problem in a sense, but I want to name a couple that I think are really important and could be so useful for students. So obviously, firstly, in the sexual health centre, our website would offer a whole range of services to people and information and signposting. We've also released, due to COVID actually, but I think it's something that was probably coming anyway, but would be very useful resource for young people, which is an Instagram page called SHC underscore hub. And what that page does is it allows us to run educational campaigns and put all of this information out there in a fun, short, really accessible way. And we've added an element, which is like an agony ant who we nicknamed the shift expert. And basically that is me behind the page, I suppose. And it means somebody can ask a question completely anonymously on any aspect of their sexual health, their relationships, or, you know, gender and sexuality, anything they might be struggling with and get accurate professional advice and signposting as well if needed. So I think that Instagram page is open nationally to everybody. So SHC underscore hub. And it's, I suppose, getting out with the times as well, a little bit of not all younger people that we meet or who phone the centre to us are as comfortable actually phoning. And we did hear that and note that, that often people don't want to ring, you know, and say, I need something, because that's not the standard for that generation. They're often more comfortable via email or via online question boxes. And again, moving to the channels and the types of media that they use can be really useful. There are then also, I suppose, dedicated pages that have a lot of that information combined. So sexualwellbeing.ie would be the HSE website, which is a fantastic resource that covers everything from contraception, STIs, where the clinics are located, the contact details, the opening times. So that would be a really good one-stop shop for people to access around sexual health nationally and would cover every area. So no matter your county, be it that you're at home or you're away at university somewhere else, you can find out the services that would be most applicable to you regardless of your location. Yeah, brilliant. And I think, again, it's just reiterating the fact that maybe the source of your information is so, so important when it comes to something like sexual health. I mean, how important is it to ensure your information comes from a reliable source that you're speaking to or listening to or even in contact with a qualified practitioner? So, so important. And I think like that, it was interesting, you know, when you talked about social media and a lot of people consume kind of, you know, um, I suppose Instagrammers or those kind of influencers and things like that that exist. But one of the things that I suppose I've noted on a, a little bit of a side note is sexual health rarely comes up 
in a lot of the, the kind of social media content that a lot of people who are paid or, you know, influence on those platforms actually promote. And it's really interesting. Again, I think it's some of the stigma and shame that unfortunately exists around sexual health. The people are much more open about mental health nowadays, and we've really broken down barriers around that. But we still have a lot of, I think, um, just awkwardness around sexual health. And a lot of, I think, work could be done in mainstream media, especially in terms of kind of younger people and the, the people who influence them of promoting this as a common normal topic that we all actually experience. Because if we take it back to the definition, it is something that affects absolutely everybody. And everyone is probably going to be sexually active in some regard at some point in their life. So the same as we all need to go to the dentist and we all have teeth, we all have sexual organs and we're all sexually active. And it's amazing that we're so embarrassed in 2021 still to really openly talk about that in a, a non-judgmental and honest fashion about things that happen and affect everybody and often repeat themselves. So those cycles of misinformation that continue. I couldn't agree with you more, Moran. I think that it is, it's so important. And I think, you know, it is a vicious cycle. And a lot of the time, the misinformation online kind of fuels people and fills them with these unrealistic expectations, pressure. I even feel pressure to act and look a certain way. What are the biggest dangers when it comes to misinforming yourself around a topic like sex? The biggest danger is not knowing the risks. So not being aware of the importance of contraception. So if we're sexually active and we're not using contraception, and if we don't know our partner's sexual history, we are technically open to contracting any of the STIs that are out there. And in a just a quick way, so there's some really, uh, I suppose, common STIs like chlamydia or gonorrhea that people might've heard of that are spread constantly because they don't have many visible symptoms and people often don't know that they have them. And if they're not getting tested, they can very easily transmit that to a partner who again doesn't have symptoms and transmits it to somebody else. We can also have those in our mouth and in our throat as well as our genitals. When we think about oral sex, we can be transmitting STIs that way. And people aren't often aware of this because like you said earlier, if you don't get comprehensive sexual health education in school, and we're aware that a lot of ethoses are depending on the institution that people attend, they might get to university and never have had any access or way to inform themselves around that. And if you're depending on the information that you get online and it's not coming from an accurate source, you might have no way to know that type of information. And when you get to college and if you're sexually active, you might just assume that if somebody isn't visibly showing any symptoms that they don't have an STI, but we know that that is not the case. So a, a little tip for anybody, if they're going to college and you meet somebody new or you're thinking about having any forms of casual sex, which you know that does happen, use a condom if you don't know somebody's sexual history or if you're starting a new relationship with somebody that you've met go get tested together so start your relationship on a normal thread of look in order to be comfortable I would love if we could both go get tested that way if anything is present we can manage it we can treat it and we can go forward in our relationship enjoying it pleasurably without this worry or overhang of STIs that maybe we aren't aware are present so really simple things like that can make a big impact on how people's lives move forward. So exactly what you're doing here by promoting this podcast and talk about sexual health, normalizing it like these. This is just information we need to know and be aware of. I completely agree. But again, I, I suppose I'm putting myself back into maybe a 17 or 18 year old shoes. And 
it can be embarrassing and it can be like a tough conversation to have with someone that you're starting a relationship with. So, you know, I mean, for the student who finds himself in a situation, let's just say hypothetically after a one night stand, they think they might have an STI or they maybe even find themselves in a position where they struggle or they dislike having sex or they feel embarrassed or ashamed about it. But on the flip side, they're so afraid to talk about it that they can't have the conversation, be it with their sexual partner or with a medical practitioner because they just feel embarrassed. What advice do you have for that student? Because I think that's probably a more common situation than we realise. That all ties back to us ourselves or that person themselves. So when we think about being sexually active, it comes with a lot of things. So it can bring up self-esteem issues for people. We talked about the body issues and the kind of, you know, unrealistic expectations that people often have. And the same, I think, when we think about the, the kind of consumption of pornography, this expectation of people, everybody has access to porn, I suppose, on their phone is one of the things, right? So there's often this idea that when people get to university and they start having sex, that it's all going to be really straightforward, that this conversation about STIs doesn't need to happen because they don't see it happening anywhere or contraception doesn't need to happen because that doesn't happen in what I'm seeing. Or then the type of sex that people are engaging in can often be trying to replicate this unrealistic standard that comes from the likes of pornography or some movies and things like that, which doesn't represent real life. So I suppose I always like to say that to people as well. And I'm showing my age here now when I say this a little bit, but it would be the equivalent. And I always say this to people, if you go to the cinema and you watched the new Fast and the Furious movie, you wouldn't come out of the cinema, get into your car and think, well, I'm going to drive home like Vin Diesel because I'm fantastic. It's, you know that that's fake. It's been acted out. That scene has probably been edited. It's been, you know, t- the shot has been taken multiple times to create the, the effect that's needed. And that's the same for a lot of the images that we see online and especially the types of pornography or sexual images that are put up there. They're often not real. And we see that when we think about intimate images and a lot of sexting that happens, the people use filters and they feel this this need to edit their body to represent something that are completely unrealistic standards. And I think for a lot of people that then can create a sense of insecurity or a sense of embarrassment and especially when you're younger you're a lot more vulnerable and maybe slightly more insecure about your body and that confidence like you're saying around it to have that conversation with somebody of this is something that I need or would be more comfortable with so I think if anybody does feel that feel that it's awkward to mention contraception or embarrassing to bring up that you want somebody to have an STI test because how are they going to react I think it's important to stop and think what do you want because your sexual health is yours and it's going to affect you for the rest of your life. And it's something that you have power and control over. And no matter what we see or no matter what peer pressures are around that this is normal or everybody does it, like with smoking or, you know, consuming alcohol, just because everybody else is doing it that way. And I'm saying that in air quotes, doesn't mean that you have to, because for the most part, a lot of people aren't actually doing what you think they're doing. And it's very, very normal to be a bit embarrassed to ask about something, but it probably also means the other person is a bit embarrassed or maybe they didn't want to bring it up for the same reason. And often if you actually open those doors of communication with somebody, you're starting your relationship or your sexual encounter out with somebody on the right foot. So you're both agreeing that these are the parameters of our interaction. So I need this to be comfortable and therefore the actual sexual experience that you have with somebody will often be more pleasurable or enjoyable because you're not worried about the fact that you haven't gotten to use a condom, which could make you really tense and therefore could make the sex really unenjoyable 
or afterwards you're not panicking and spending a couple of days thinking oh my god have I contracted an STI why didn't I just bring that up if you bring it up you're saying this is something that I need for the most part people are very open to that we do find once the conversation arises because they often want to talk about it or maybe haven't thought about it but if somebody mentions that are generally willing to engage with that and if they don't So if you bring something up to a sexual partner, like it's really important for me to use contraception because I don't know your status or I'd like to be safe from pregnancy and I'm not on another form of contraceptive and somebody says, no, not happening. Is that the type of person that you want to have a sexual encounter with? Is that the type of person that you would trust or, you know, feel comfortable doing that with? And it can often answer some other questions or doors for us as well. So I think it can be really difficult, but try to be brave around it. And if you are struggling with self-esteem or confidence around doing that, again, the Instagram page, you know, contact the Agony Ant on SHC Hub. I'm very happy to help people or signpost with that. Or often actually having those conversations with friends and peers about their experiences, because like we see with the likes of sex education, a lot of people are often on the same types of journeys together and encountering the same obstacles. And as a peer group and as a generation, you can normalize and standardize that this is just the norm for us. The same way as we've seen like huge progression with the the introduction of gay marriage and equality and inclusivity in sexual health, we can have this same move that really needs to happen in terms of STI testing is standardized and normal in relationships. Talking about consent is normalized. We are getting towards that. And asking somebody to use contraception isn't embarrassing. It's smart, it's safe and it's important. Brilliant. Yeah, so well said, Mora. And I mean, I, I just to echo absolutely everything you've said, it is it comes back to that, the art of conversation, talking about it. Let's talk about the student, right, who gets the text, who gets the text saying, hey, I was with you last Thursday night. I now realise that I have an STI. I think you should get tested. So this happens, right? And the conversation has now started. But I'm a student and I'm mortified at the fact that I might have now contracted an STI. I have so many sexual partners and I have to go and tell them that. What is the right thing to do there? Because like, or, or how should a student even react to that text message? And we see this, like, I suppose in universities in general, there can be outbreaks and you'll see it in certain student populations because as a group, they're probably sexually active and like we spoke about exploring. And I think, again, it's not being embarrassed about it. It's you got that text from somebody because they were obviously experiencing symptoms and in turn wanted to alert somebody that you may be at risk. And it's very important to think, actually, that's great. Now I know I might have been exposed to something. If I get tested, I can be safe and I can treat or manage whatever I may have come in contact with. And the other people who you have been sexually active with also deserve that opportunity and chance. And I think one of the biggest things that always comes up in regards to STIs and that telling is who's going to tell. And if somebody is really uncomfortable with contacting sexual partners, a lot of the clinics will actually do that for them anonymously. So if you want to give them a list of your potential sexual partners who may have been exposed to something, they can contact them anonymously and say, you have come in contact with someone who may have been or has contracted X we would like to invite you for testing. If you are in a long-term relationship with a partner, so for some things like HPV or genital warts, you might've come in contact with something years ago. So it could be up to two years before somebody shows symptoms and you could be in a long-term relationship now, a year later, and have contracted that before you ever got into it. Your partner can also be treated and brought in to discuss the risks and how to be safe around it 
automatically. So, you know, all of the clinics and all of the staff who work in sexual health services and STI screening especially are really knowledgeable. They're really kind. They're compassionate. There's no judgment attached. There's no bias attached. That's really important to know about the services that this is what they do every day. They see people constantly coming in, either getting routine screenings just to be safe or unfortunately presenting with symptoms and they're not judging anyone and they only want to help and make sure that they can help you to be safe going forward and answer any questions you have around whatever you may have come in contact with, how to treat it. And we'll probably also talk to you about your contraception needs. So, you know, is that something that maybe you just didn't use a condom that you've come across or, you know, are you, was it a one-off complete accident and just help you with that. So I think never be afraid and know that people work in this area because they genuinely care and want to help. And there isn't any judgment is the biggest thing. So I think people always have an idea of STI clinics and what happens. And again, that really serious medical side to it. And there is that if needs be, but for the most part, they're just there to help and advise and would much prefer to see people presenting to testing and screening and to help you with whatever comes up. Yeah, for sure. And I think that support is so important and it's so important that students know that that those supports are available. So for student sexual health clinics, sexual health centres that are on campuses right across the country, is it as easy, Moira, as walking in and making an appointment, dropping an email? Are any of these resources and supports free or are students going to find themselves maybe having to pay for certain services? I know that very recently there was um, the continued push that is happening at government level for contraception to be made available for free to female students right across the country, which I think is something that needs to happen and will provide students with an option to be safe and not to have to worry about the financial side of their sexual health It's a mixed bag, unfortunately, I suppose, is the truth. I'm not sure about the campuses individually, but all of the health services will have staff there who can help and potentially test for certain things. But in every major city across Ireland, so Dublin, Cork, Kerry, Galway, any of those places, there is what we call gum clinics, and they are gynery uterine medicine. And they basically are free clinics for everybody nationally, regardless of being in university or when you graduate and you're, you know, 30 or 40, you can still access these services for free. They operate Monday to Friday, nine to five, and you will find the list of them for every county online and you can ring to book an appointment. I know specifically, for example, the one in Cork, you ring, they're often really busy. So there's a voicemail service. So they'll ask you just to leave your name, contact number and the reason for your call. So if you're symptomatic, they ask that somebody will tell them I'm actually experiencing symptoms. I have a rash. Or if it's just for a general checkup that you're just looking to get a general STI screening, leave that on the message. The reason they do that is they will call you back within 24 hours, but they do then work it on a triage system. So obviously somebody who's experiencing an outbreak would be put into a higher priority and seen much quicker than somebody who's just looking for a routine screening, but they are completely free to everybody. When it comes to contraception, I'm delighted to hear that it's going to be free for women because I think it's extremely important and it's something that we need and will make such a difference to the likes of crisis pregnancy and just people taking risks because in the moment they don't potentially have contraception. Um, There is usually, for most universities, access to condoms, free condoms and lube through all of the student um, unions and kind of student services on campus. They again will be provided by the HSE and a lot of the sexual health organizations. So I know the likes of the sexual health center will go to universities in Cork and Kerry regions. 
Gosh will do Limerick and the surrounding areas. Sexual Health West will be present in Galway and Dublin then will have a huge range of services there that will all attend on campus. So if you are ever walking around and you see kind of banners or sexual health logos, always pop over to the stand and chat with the staff because they will be very knowledgeable about the specific supports in that area around those student needs. Um, and I think also just to note as well for any students, the Sexual Health Centre is operating a free condom postal service nationally. So if you are after starting college and you're thinking maybe you will be sexually active or you are sexually active, be prepared. You can fill out an online order on our website and we'll actually post out condoms and leave to you. They come in completely discreet packaging. So it's just a white envelope with your name, address and a stamp. Nobody will know what's inside it. But it's really important. I think the students can access contraceptive cheaply because we know how expensive it can be to be a student and often cost can be prohibitive. So people will take risks purely because they don't have it or they prioritize maybe eating over having a condom, which completely understandable, but knowing that you can actually access some form of contraceptive free already is really important. So please do use those services because that's what they're there for. Brilliant. So well said and fantastic to note that as well, Maria. So thank you for that. Um, I guess just for students who are listening in this morning or listening to this podcast and thinking they need immediate support, they want to reach out and talk to someone right now. Where is the best place for that student to start and who can they contact on demand? So again, I think I obviously will say the Sexual Health Centre. So we have a free helpline. So if anyone just wants to look up the sexualhealthcentre.com, they will find all of our services. We have a helpline and we have trained helpline professionals who will help guide anybody. So if it's just a question that you have, if you're looking to seek maybe counselling and support, if it's a crisis pregnancy, if it's just a general query about contraception, you can ring the helpline and then they will signpost you to whatever service you need if it's not the centre itself. Again, looking online, but I would recommend sticking to the HSE um, specific services. So like sexualwellbeing.ie is a great place to access information or come to our Instagram page and use the, the anonymous chat box and pop a question into the shift expert. And that's SHC underscore hub on Instagram. And any question that you have, somebody professional will immediately respond to you, help you with that in the moment and in any way that they can. And again, signpost you and link you with other services if that's what's needed. Brilliant. And we will share all of those links as well across our social media here at Spin. If you would like more, you can simply search Spin Sanolskull. Now, Maura O'Farrell, as the shift expert, as an agony aunt and as someone who works with the Sexual Health Centre, you're going to have to leave us with one maybe golden piece of advice or one just important piece of information to keep in mind if you're a student when it comes to your sexual health. I think the main thing when it comes to sexual health is don't be embarrassed, don't be ashamed and don't feel that there is anything different or awkward about any questions that you have or anything that's coming up. Every single body is different. We all look different. We all like different things and we all experience sexual health differently depending on who we come across and the types of relationships that we have. So I think one of the most important things to say to every student and everybody out there is first and foremost, get to know yourself, get to know your body, know what it looks like is hugely important. And you'd be surprised the amount of people who don't actually stop and take time to get to know their body and what they like, what it looks like, take a mirror, have a look, communicate with your partners. So talk to them about what you like, what you don't like, what you might like to try and then feedback that was good, that wasn't good, because it will be different for everybody. Put boundaries in place. So where, where are the things you're willing to try and what are things that just aren't on the table for you? 
And again, know that that is your right. It's perfectly okay. And it's your, you're in control of it. In regards to consent, just to say as well, even if you start a sexual act with somebody, know that you can change your mind and stop at any stage. And that person has to stop. And unfortunately, we know that often students have reported that college is one of the times when they often experience kind of sexual violence or moments where their consent wasn't listened to. So know that that is your right. You have the right to say no at any time. And again, if you need support or guidance around that, please do reach out and seek help because there is many organizations out there to help you around it. Mainly, just don't feel pressured. There is no right time to do anything. So whether you're sexually active, whether you're in a relationship or whether you're not and you're perfectly happy being single or you want to explore your gender and sexuality while you're in college, do so, do it at your own pace. And most importantly, enjoy it, be safe, know the risks that are there, but do know that there are people out there to help you protect yourself from them. Moira O'Farrell, you are an expert in your line of work for a reason. You have shared so much valuable information with us this morning and we are so grateful for that. If anyone is tuning in and you would like to find out more, do check out thesexualhealthcentre.ie and you can again follow Moira as the shift expert. She is their agony aunt and you can write to her anonymously for more information. Moira O'Farrell, we are so grateful for your time and thank you for shedding some light on the big topic that is sexual health this morning on Spins and All Skull. I'm delighted to be here and thank you so much. Spins and All Skull is proudly sponsored by Pathway, an interactive online career guidance tool at mypathwayjourney.com. Spin and All Skull. Get the podcast every Friday on the Spin app. Powered by Go Loud.